and strangers, does that not make you a serial killer? I didn't kill him every day, did I? Did I go out there every day and say, hmm, I'm going to kill him? If I did, there would well, be hundreds. Well, it took you 12 months. Then he rings up Rex again, and that's when I looked at him and I started sobbing. If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Because, you know, first of all, women generally don't commit crimes this heinous. Right. Uh, you know, this is usually the domain of men. That's unfortunate. Hi, Gabe. Hey, Danny. How are you doing? Can't complain. We have work. We get to podcast. And uh, we're not at the Capitol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off strong here. Yeah. Uh, That's not controversial. I mean, that whole thing was denounced by both sides. So. Oh, it was awful. It was a yeah. ridiculous. So, so, yeah, that's not even like a politically divisive comment. I mean, so, who, who would want to be there? Unless you're the you people know, who riding. are there. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, to get our minds off everything that's happening, yeah. <laughs> you want to hear about our next uh, story? Always. I'm going to start off with a question for you. Okay. The press named this person the windshield murderer. And what do you think that means? The windshield murderer immediately what comes to mind is someone who was slamming heads against windshields, but that seems like not the best way of murdering people. <laughs> I suppose you could work at a windshield factory and like take a windshield and kill someone with it because <laughs> then it would shatter. Then you just, you just have to kind of sweep up the pieces and there'd be blood everywhere. Yeah. I just I thought it was a terrible name. I was like, you can do better. Yeah, so I'm going to go with slamming people's heads okay, well, on the windshields. You are definitely close. Surprisingly oh. close. What was it? Or what well, is I'm going to tell you. Okay, yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. So, this starts on October 25th, 2001. And a woman named Shantae Mallard and her friend Fry... Her last name was Frey, but uh, Shantae referred to her as Fry. We're pre-gaming pre before going out. Saves money. It does, and it's pretty common. Uh, she's 27. So they had a drink each. They split an ecstasy pill, and they had some marijuana. Okay, so after pre-gaming, pre they went to a club where they drank more, and they smoked more. And Shantae decided she wanted to go home and drove herself home around 3 a.m. While driving, she hits a man with her car and he flies through the windshield. His head goes through the windshield and pretty much lands on the floorboard and his feet go up over the car onto her roof. Can you visualize this? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to? No. Shantae stops the car, she gets out, she touches the man as if like deciding what to do you know he realizes he's too heavy to take out so she gets in her car and drives home with a guy just sticking out of the window yes and he's alive this entire time he's groaning oh. he's like not doing too hot uh, she gets home she parks her car in her garage she apologizes to, to the man she calls her friend Fry to come and pick her up. She gets in the car with her friend and leaves. 
she tells her friend what happens and that she doesn't know what to do and she's freaking out. When she left the man to go on the car ride with her friend, uh, he was still alive. So her friend's like, uh, no, we got to go back and we got to check on this. So they go back into the house and the friend Fry, she goes into the garage and she comes out and is like, you have to call 911. I think he's still alive. But Shantae is like, I can't, I'm too scared. I need time to think. So <laughs> they leave, go to the friend's house where she spends the night there. And the next morning, Shantae calls her, either her boyfriend or her ex-boyfriend. Pretty sure he was her boyfriend at the time. And he comes and picks her up. She shows him the body and he pokes it with a rake and decides this guy's dead. <laughs> he decides that they shouldn't get rid of the body they need to leave it somewhere where it'll be found so the family can bury it and like have an ending you know right they can say goodbye he ends up calling his cousin and they take the body and they leave it in a park and of course it's found people call the police the police come they do police things and <laughs> they're like this wasn't this person wasn't killed here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the case actually goes cold for four months. Huh. Because it was 3 a.m., there was nobody around. She hit the man about a mile from her house. So, no witnesses. The case goes cold, and uh, they do an autopsy before the case goes cold, of course. And the autopsy finds that what he died from is actually his left leg was almost amputated it was still hanging on but it was pretty much cut through and he died of blood loss which is entirely preventable and if he hadn't or if she had just gone and got help he would be alive today shantae was a nurse's aide and her brother was an emt and she could have gone she didn't try to give any CPR. She didn't go to anybody. She didn't get help. So for four months, nobody said anything. The two men who moved the body didn't say anything. Her friend didn't say anything. She didn't say anything. And then one day at a party, she was talking about it. And a woman overheard who was like an acquaintance, acquaintance of them. And this person called the police and gave a tip. They, the police got a warrant and they found the car that hit the man in the garage. She had taken the front seat out and burned it in the backyard. And that, I mean, but the car still had blood on it. It still had blood in it. It wasn't like even cleaned. So it was pretty easy to be like, wow, this is all the evidence we need. So she was sentenced to 50 years in prison and then another 10 years to serve concurrently for tampering with the evidence. Her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, Jackson, he got 10 years for tampering with evidence and moving the body. And then his cousin got nine years. She will be eligible for parole 
after 25 years, half of her sentence is served, and that will be in 2027. But she is in prison right now. And I do want to point out that I got most of my information from the actual court documents because I thought they'd be most accurate, but Wikipedia has like a wildly different story. Hmm. Do you want me to tell you what Wikipedia said? Yeah, yeah. Might as well get both takes. Okay, so Wikipedia says she went to the party, drove home, hit a man, parked in her garage, called her boyfriend, who's the one who helped her later, and they went, uh, they saw the body, saw it was alive, she apologized, they went inside, they had sex, she kept going out checking to see if he was still alive, and they waited until he was dead. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, either way, it's pretty bad because what she did was go to her, or according to the initial story, she went to her friend's house to spend the night. Uh, but yeah, either way, she screwed up and, and let this guy to die, left this guy to die in her windshield, despite being a nurse aide. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, entirely preventable what happened to this guy. Yeah. The fact that he lived long enough to so that they could keep checking on him. Mm -hmm. I mean, they could have, even after driving home, she could have called an ambulance and gotten him help. Yeah. Shoot, she could have asked for help just ditching him on the side of the road and called them help anonymously, and he may have lived. Yeah, that's a good point. But initially, when you said the case went cold after four months, I was a little, a little annoyed thinking... Surely they they would have seen shards of windshield fragments on this guy's body and thought, okay, let's check to see if any cars are coming in to be repaired at nearby body shops with big ass bloody holes in the windshield. But the fact, but then you told me she kept it, kept the car in her garage, and only got rid of the seat. So she left she left it there with a bloody hole for four months. It all it all kind of sounds like a really like an, like almost like an SNL skit. It has like kind of elements of humor where like she's just like I don't know what to do and it's like driving home and apologizing and yeah, there's a movie actually made about it called Stuck. And I want to <laughs> watch the movie, but I didn't want to watch it before doing this cuz I didn't want to yeah. mix up stuff. And the autopsy tech guy, he said and the medical examiner both said that um he was al alive at least like for a couple hours after she parked in her garage so there was plenty of time right. to get help it was all blood loss but yeah i mean that that's really terrible shame for him do, do, do you know much about his family like how they oh, reacted or yeah so um he was actually a homeless man named gregory biggs he was 37 he had a son and a wife he a few years prior had suffered like a mental illness and kind of went downhill and had been staying uh, in homeless shelters, but he had a friend who he met through the homeless shelters and he and his friend had a plan to start a masonry business together and he was trying to get his life back on track. Mm -hmm. So, and his son actually, he was 20 when Gregory uh, was hit and his son came out and told Shantae that he like he forgave her and accepted like her apology and everything and didn't hold a grudge 
that's a little surprising. I would definitely hold a grudge for that. Same. Because <laughs> that's not like a, an apology would be like, oh, I hit your dad, called the ambulance, he died anyway. This is like, I hit your dad. While like driving impaired. Right. Yeah. But this is like, I hit your dad, drove home with him in my windshield, did a bunch of stuff, and then only got caught because I was talking about it at a party. Speaking of which, flashbacks to the bathtub girls. Mm-hmm. Is, right. Is this like a trend of just people at parties with a little bit of alcohol being like, hey, I, this one time I killed someone. Yeah. I mean, I guess alcohol is like a truth serum now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's so stupid. Like, just I feel like if I hit somebody or and ran and or killed somebody, like, why would you ever say that at a party? Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's stupid. Also, if she seemed committed to not initially, anyways, to like not getting in trouble, air quotes. Mm -hmm. Why? Like, I guess she couldn't have gone to a body shop with that hole. And been like, please fix the hole. That would have aroused suspicion. But I'm surprised she didn't junk the car in some way. So I read that she... So she was kind of a daddy's girl. And her dad had bought her the car. And she had recently come into money trouble. And he loaned her money. And she was just like in this weird spot. Where she didn't want to have to be like, hey, I need more money. Because I need a new car or something. Right. So she was keeping it in the garage as, and she had cleaned it, but like not well, mm -hmm. but like to the person who saw it, like you wouldn't see blood on it. So she kept it for appearances so that he wouldn't know her dad. And she was right. waiting on her tax return to be able to get rid of this car and get a new car. <laughs> oh, yeah. This reads like a dark comedy. I know. Like, I don't know. I think I would have sold the not sold no you, what, you have to junk it she should have taken a hammer to that windshield and just smashed the rest of it picked up all the fragments yeah. re-cleaned it well mm -hmm. and then you can take it to a body shop and say the entire windshield is trashed yeah or like maybe break a few windows and be like i was robbed yeah something yeah yeah but, i was just yeah. she doesn't i mean hmm, i don't want to say she doesn't seem like the smartest but I, she does <laughs> she does she handled this so poor i mean really yeah plan a should have been call the ambulance immediately yeah. and then this guy could have lived or even call your and, brother who's like an emt with the fire station and be like what do i do and he would have been like call, call the ambulance <laughs> yeah but yeah the, i guess the guy could have lived and she would have I, I get it she was like freaked out about the punishment but she must have understood if I get caught for this, it's murder. Mm -hmm. And that is much harsher than a DUI. Yeah. I mean, really, it's entirely possible she may have not served prison time, depending on the lawyer she got. They could have been like, oh, it was her first offense. And I know I know a guy who was a former, former politician who, did, who got two or three DUIs and never faced prison time. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. Granted, he didn't, like, hit anyone. But still. Yeah. I mean, actually, yeah. on one of them, he totaled his car. Like, he drove off the freeway. Ugh. But yeah, like no prison time. So I don't know. A, a really heartfelt apology in front of a judge. She may have been able to not face prison time had she just called for help immediately and gotten this man the help he deserved. Yeah. So yeah, not a whole lot of sympathy. She got, she got how, how many years? 
50. Well, 50 yeah. plus 10 for tampering, but they're served like at the same time. So right. it's stupid. 50. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess suppose with good behavior, she could actually probably be out sooner. Mm-hmm. But still, that's, I mean, how old was she? She was, she was 27. Mm-hmm. There's your life. Yeah. 50, what, 77 when she gets out? Yeah. Like, if she serves full time. She's yep. up for parole in 2027, which is half the time, which is 25 years. Yeah. So she could get out in her, like, early 50s. There's your life. Yeah. I mean, like, if she wanted kids. Oof. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, and if you're done. curious about her upbringing at all, it seems like she was raised in a normal, like, religious household. This was in Texas, by the way. Everybody oh. in this store is religious. <laughs> uh, it was a normal, re- if you're in Texas and that's offensive, I'm sorry. <laughs> a normal religious family. Um, her people from the church said that she had, there's three of them she was the youngest sibling she had two brothers and she was like the daddy's girl and she was spoiled a little bit uh Mm. her dad actually bought her car and her helped her pay off her house so yeah she ended up being a nurse's aide you hear that parents don't spoil your kids (laughs) (laughs) yeah and at the party the friend who gave him the tip said that she heard her laughing about it while telling the story yeah so it doesn't at the trial when she was giving her testimony and stuff you can see pictures and you can watch part of it and she was like crying and she genuinely seemed remorseful but i don't know if that was so much as like being caught and having to face the consequences or actually feeling remorse i mean yeah without really knowing her we couldn't really say but i do think yeah, like for sure there was part of that was because she was being punished. Because if she was, you know, she thought she got away with it, much like the bathtub girls and mm-hmm. she was so cavalier about it, then that, yeah. that seems to be more how her her, her honest feelings. Yeah. Or maybe she was joking about it because she was trying, you know, like there's people joke about tragic events all the time. It's a way of trying no. to. <laughs> no, we <laughs> yeah. never do that. Never. <laughs> uh, I wonder. I wonder what the the earliest 9-11 joke was like how soon after 9-11 probably like the day after yeah like who was yeah who was the person yeah who first made who first made the joke about it it's too soon people try to cope with tragedy by joking about it so i I won't i won't you know it doesn't necessarily mean she was an awful person for laughing about it but not a good look Mm -mm. yeah and she didn't have any prior, she didn't even have a speeding ticket, but the two guys who helped her move the body, they, one of them had served prison time for a burglary, and one of them served prison time for a robbery, hmm. which yeah. is a lot smaller than moving a dead body. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot more involved. Yeah. I, yeah, Gabe, don't call me if you ever kill somebody. Oh, you're the first person I'm calling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was some interesting things I read about the police actually finding the body, though. They, when they found it, it was face up. But the first thing, I mean, besides the lack of blood at crime scene, is they yeah. knew the body had been moved because there was blood that had settled in the face that showed it had been face down and its head was towards, the, his head was towards the ground. And it had been moved and they could tell that by the way the blood pooled. 
Yeah, it's it's super cool. All that stuff. Um, I I took a bunch of criminalistics classes when I was at. Uh, well, I won't say where, of course, but <laughs> when I was doing my undergrad, and I took a class that was actually actually the study of murder. Oh no way! And uh, they we discussed that was more about like profiling and motivations and the types of killers and rapists. But I took a forensics class as well, and we talked about sort of how blood settles and how coroners, not even coroners, how crime scene investigators use the the discoloration of certain parts of the body to tell like oh the blood's pooled here so it's been this long rigor mortis has set in so it's been this long mm-hmm. so it's it's super cool how all, all of that stuff is done yeah i wish i was smarter so i could like go into that <laughs> what you don't, you don't need to be smarter actually you could do it now really take some online classes really that's all yeah, it takes it, no i mean you, you have to get, so generally speaking to be one of these people they look for a bachelor in some kind of hard science like biology or chemistry so not psychology so not psychology damn okay yeah <laughs> that was the part that kind of got me too at the time i was like i don't want to get another degree right yeah i don't think it would, i don't think you'd have a dull day unless there's like no murders that happened that's true and you're like damn it people get it together i wouldn't well then you'd probably do but you're salaried so you just be like cool <laughs> <laughs> like you'd probably do cold cases though oh yeah that'd be so much fun Mm-hmm. But just so our listeners know how to sort of give a rough estimate as to when a dead body or when, when a person expired or died <laughs> near them. So let's say you just stumbled upon a body. Mm-hmm. So if the body is warm, but technical term I'm seeing here is flaccid. <laughs> but let's just say limp. If the body is warm <laughs> yeah. and limp. They've been dead less than three hours. Okay. If the body is warm but stiff, so tough to move, uh-huh. it's three to eight hours. And if the body is cold and stiff, it's eight to 36 hours. And if the body is cold and limp slash flaccid, it's been dead for over 36 hours. Oh, how weird. So it goes and it gets hard. There's a word for that. What is it when a body, body gets like rigid? It's rigor mortis. Yes, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, as, yeah, as everything locks into place, but but then it goes away and gets soft again. Yeah, I did not know that. That's so crazy. So when a body dies at the time of death, what starts happening is called primary flaccidity. Again, not not my terminology. And for this, this is when the muscles begin to stiffen, which is rigor mortis. And it affects every muscle in the body, and it starts happening two to six hours after death. What can affect it is the level of lactic acid in the muscles. So depending on how hard that person was running away at the end, it can affect the the rate at which rigor mortis sets in. But it can actually affect even internal organs, often four to six hours after death. And it is also dependent on the person's size, age, sex, so it can vary depending on yeah. gender and... So those are just like averages. Right. So these are all averages, of course. I'm one... I feel like Anarchy's going to find a dead body one day. He's like... We call it Scooby-Dooing on walks. Oh. He catches a <laughs> scent and he just like will not let go. And I'm like, oh, this is it. This is the day he finds a body. That happened with Granable Lecter, right? A dog found it, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, I mean, that would be for an interesting evening, though. Yeah. You know what else is interesting? I just Googled the house that she lived at. Yeah. 
the parents they well they helped buy it in 1995 and they never sold it after she went to prison i think because he, he died in the house technically people are very superstitious and they won't buy they're more hesitant to buy homes where people have died in them well i wonder if part of it too was that she was like um like a she was so close to her dad maybe he like uh, can't sell the house because it's hers you know like he's keeping it for when she gets out oh it could be yeah is he renting it i don't know how to see if he's renting it but there's a car parked in front of it on google earth so maybe yeah i think so yeah uh so that's the story of shantae M mallard it's a cool last name it's a duck name i know it is. Duck. <laughs> it's a cool mallard last duck. name though <laughs> So, oh, wait, do you have any special women throughout history? Her story? Yeah. I do. So this one's actually, I thought it was funny. I'm like, okay, it's amazing, super interesting, kind of funny. So there's this woman named Susanna Salter. That's her married name. She was Susanna Kinsey when she was born. But she lived in Kansas and... This was way back in 1887. Okay. No woman has ever held any position in government before or anything like that. It was it was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, a group of men who were super against women getting in politics put her name on the ballot to be mayor of the city as like, not, they say a prank, but it was a way where they expected her to get, like, less than 1% of votes and they're going to be like, ha, look at that loser, and try to make it so other women don't ever try to get on the ballot. Okay. Would that be a form of trolling? Yeah, like, as you're <laughs> saying it, I was like, whoa, people did these things. I mean, it shouldn't be surprising, but, yeah, that's... Yeah, so they just straight up wanted to humiliate her and, like, yeah. be like, women, stay in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So she ends up winning by 60%. And who she... voted for? Cuz cuz women they couldn't vote back then, right? Mhm. Mm she actually so back then, wait. You're right. <laughs> oh, that makes it even funnier. Yeah, so a bunch of men voted for her. So Women didn't even get the right to vote till 1920. This was before that. But, okay, wait, let me get to that. So, quickly, back then, the candidates on the ballot didn't have to be made public before the election. So, when she went to vote, she didn't even know she was on the ballot. Wait. Okay. What? But she voted. You completely ruined my story about this woman voting rights thing, Gabe. How? I added additional information. Because this article says she voted for herself. But how did she do that in 1887 when women didn't get the right to vote till 1920? Oh, that article. Maybe they couldn't vote in federal elections? Let's see. Okay, so in 1887, suffrage for women was secured for municipal elections. There we go. Okay. So she could vote that year. Because it was 1887. And I that see. explains why the men were like, hey, we have to make sure women 
stay down. Got it. Because but then, they were making advances. Yeah, but at the federal level, women couldn't vote until the the uh, 19th Amendment. Mm-hmm. And that was in the 20s. 1920s, yeah. So, okay, got it. So locally, <laughs> yes, they could vote uh, 40-ish years prior. 30, 40. You're the, the mathematician. 80s? It was the 80s, right? Mm-hmm, 87. Yeah. Oh, okay, so 33 yeah. years prior. Look at so- you, mathing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's actually good to know. I'm yeah. learning today, too. Uh, so the people who ended up voting for her was the Women's Christian Temperance Union. They had their own candidate that they ended up believing to vote for her, and they voted for her. Oh, okay. In mass, and then so did the Republican Party. She was an interesting woman. She was for prohibition, and she was very religious. Uh, her term, nothing. She didn't really do anything like super exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. She's just a solid politician for this. Um, she was a solid mayor. She's kind of like the when the Terminator. What's his name? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, like he didn't really do too much, you know, but he was there. Yeah. He was solid. He was good. <laughs> What is he? I don't even know. (laughs) Exactly. So after her term was up, she didn't try to go for re-election. But what she did do was make a lot of women realize, hey, we can do this. We can break this glass ceiling. We can go further. And I just thought that was really inspiring of her because she could have declined. She had no interest in politics, but she was like, I have to do this because it could be huge for women in the future. And she did, even though it wasn't something that she had actively wanted. Right. Yeah. Even if she hadn't been a good mayor, I mean, the fact that she won. Yeah. She showed those trolls. <laughs> she, yeah. She, she, I wonder if some men voted for her as a troll though. <laughs> right. Just, just to be like, hey, it's funny. Cause like, no one's going to vote for her. I'll vote for her. And then she got. To to win by 60%, that is a huge margin. Especially for a woman. Yeah. It was like how 10% of Bernie bros voted for Trump as like a protest vote. No. Oh, yeah, I did hear about that. Yeah. (laughs) Or how there's always that like small percentage that votes for like Mickey Mouse or something. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Shoot, even Brexit, there was, I know after it happened, apparently a lot of people were protest voting. Yeah. People, if people don't protest vote, just vote for who you want to win. Yep. Although in this situation, it was a good thing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, it did, it's funny that you mentioned the Women's Christian Temperance Union. I just saw a video uh, the other day about prohibition. And they were one of the sort of chief proponents of making alcohol illegal. Well, that explains why they voted for her, her then, because she literally was very for prohibition. Her political yeah. party was later, later called the Prohibition Party. That makes sense. But uh, ultimately a flawed plan, Yeah, she, as we saw. Yeah. Uh, she ended up living until 101, and she had nine kids. Good for her. Mm-hmm. She lived a that, solid life. That is a long time to live back then. Yeah. So she got to see a lot of uh, other women go. And yeah, be, that's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, because she ended up dying in... 1961 so she lived until women could vote for everything wow way to go yeah (laughs) you go Susanna Uh, Salter (laughs) 
And that is the woman I chose today. Cool. So look at that. Yeah. One murderer and a politician. <laughs> and who did good. <laughs> who, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who did not murder, yeah. as far as we know. No. Maybe she was the Hillary Clinton of her time. No. Totally kidding. <laughs> Hillary Clinton probably didn't murder anyone or at least too many people. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> no, kidding, kidding. Yeah, that's dark. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but funny. No. Uh, all right. <laughs> so, we'll cut that part out. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we'll cut all the political references out. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Oh, how do we end this? We always struggle with the endings. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. So that is the story of Shantae Mallard, who is currently in prison in Texas, and the story of Susanna Salters, who is dead but still alive in our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, follow us on Instagram at murderher.podcast or go to murderher.com. That's M-U-R-D-H-E-R. Thank you.